0: Benders alike, welcome to Braving the Elements, Nickelodeon's podcast about all things Avatar verse. I'm Janet Varney.
1: And I'm Dante Bosco. And I don't know about you, Varney, but for some unknown reason, I'm finding myself craving something uh, refreshing to drink today. Very
0: true. We live in Los Angeles, technically a desert climate. I can see Very desert. how somebody would be feeling like the call of a nice, hydrating beverage. Um, I don't know. Dante, do you have something specific in mind? Great
1: question. I don't know exactly what it is I'm looking for, other than Uh I know that it needs to quench my thirst. Interesting. So I would say, give me the quenchiest drink you can think of.
0: You know what? I think I have exactly what you're looking for, if you don't mind also hallucinating and then doing the worm across the sand dune. Are you good with that? (laughs) It's the quenchiest
1: (laughs) Welcome to the desert episode of Avatar The Last Airbender, everyone.
0: Yes, indeed. I'm going to go ahead and say it's another iconic episode where I cannot believe I continue to say this. We need that button like it's a morning show a lot happens, that would be the button that we would press that would cause that sound effect. Uh, but we are super thrilled to be joined today again by our friend Jason Manzuka's fellow Avatar lover, who's yeah. going to get back into it with us. Welcome back, Jason. So
2: excited Welcome back. to talk about this episode. And of course, like I did last time, I rewatched a bunch of the episodes in the lead up to this because <laughs> I, even though when hear I came it. and did... Um, season one, I don't know however many months ago it was that we did that episode in season one. That prompted me to do a full rewatch of all of Avatar. Yeah. So I've rewatched the whole series however many months ago, and then watched a bunch of season two uh, today to prepare for this. So I'm very excited
0: why you are a perfect guest host. I love this show. It's so. Well, I'm wearing my Saka's Cactus Juice uh, T-shirt today. Oh, I'm, I didn't even notice that. I've worn it many a time. Um, it, it feels close to my heart because, and I understand this is a podcast and no one can see, but um, maybe I'll take a picture and post it. But it's a this great shirt. But it involves a saguaro, and I always get excited because I'm from Arizona. I feel I'm one of the few people who actually gets to shout oh, out. Oh yeah, saguaro this is your shirt. episode. To be clear, anyone can. Um, You're a
2: desert kid. Do you? I'm a, and desert a The show, I will say, kid. like the show, really doesn't have. Desert climate very much. Yeah. So this is like pretty rare. This must feel like, you know, a real homecoming for you.
0: I'll tell you what, I'm pleased to say that the Sonoran Desert is not as barren as this beautiful desert of sand and dunes yeah. uh, that you see here, which is striking in its own way. But it feels real homey to me when we see Iroh and Zuko, like where they are, which is a sort of like, I can't believe I'm about to say this, riparian desert climate where oh there's boy. more greenery what and canyons that? and some scrub. Lebrush. Uh Does feel very much like Arizona to me. Correct. Uh, <laughs> so... <laughs>
2: I love that voice. That's Thank the uh, the informed <laughs> desert nerd voice.
0: Informed desert nerd. Uh, <laughs> save the tortoise. Okay. So before we jump in, I, I want to revisit, um, you know, of course, we always ask new guests what kind of bender they would be. When we had you last, you identified yourself as most likely an earth Um I do remember that you enjoyed the Zutara ship. Something that we've started talking more about simply by virtue of the fact that it has come up so much more in recent cons that Dante and I have done together over the last Uh year. People are they want to talk about their favorite adversaries on the show. And they love digging deep into like who's who's redeemable. You know, who is it, pathology? All that kind of of stuff. And so we started. Exactly. Exactly. So we thought we would ask you if any favorite adversary jumps to mind from the show.
2: It's so interesting. I really like um, there's characters that I love throughout. Like a character that I love is Jet.
1: I love Jet too. Me too.
2: Because he is both an ally and then an adversary. And that's, I think, something that the show does really well is give you characters that exist in the gray area.
0: Yeah. Um, and
2: give you characters that are at times in some episodes or in some seasons, an adversary who then becomes an ally. I mean, obviously Zuko becoming the right is truly like the er example of that on a much larger level. But even yep. like this episode, like the what are they, the rhinos, the rough rhinos? The rough riders. Like I love like a team of of special weapons specialists that just arrive and are and and they're the the kind of adversary in that moment. And right. there's a like they do a lot of introducing great. Char- I'm trying to think of some good one offs because there's lots of good. There's of course like the characters that are longstanding adversaries, like Zuko, or you know, like Shower. the the exactly the big capital. A adversaries, but I liked some of the one offs, you know, the villains that you get for just an episode or even like I wouldn't think of the owl in the library as necessarily an adversary in the last episode. Right. But what a great character.
0: Yeah. What a great character,
2: yes. a great character that, that that allows them to be there and then turns on them, them and tries, sure. to eat, tries to eat them.
0: But that's what's such a great thing about the show. It's just what you said, Jason. It's hard to just say he's an adversary, even though he's trying to kill them. Yeah. It's the gray area of like, I mean, they did lie to him for the reason they were there, and like are doing exactly. the exact thing he, he says allows them, them to be gain
2: doing. knowledge. Yes. He he right. says, okay, you can gain this knowledge, but but you know, don't lie to me. And they basically do, and he tries to. So that's what's great about the show is that people aren't evil just for evil's sake, right. necessarily. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's kind of wonderful. Yeah, the absolutely. villains are incredibly rich.
1: Yeah. And within every kingdom. Like you said, there's there's a friend and an adversary in every kingdom. Oh, yeah. It's not like this place is just the evil place. And, you know, the Fire Nation is not all bad people. There's some good people there, too. But there's also oh, right. an adversary in the Air Nomad. There's adversaries in the Earth Kingdom. There's adversaries in the Water Tribe, on the Northern Water Tribe. So it's like... You see, like you say, that you see the good and bad and every, there's not like a monolith of like this. All these people are just great people. Even in this episode, yeah. when we, you know, foreshadow report, when we meet the sandbenders, we see that it's not just they're evil and they're not just good. There's there's other things going on. Absolutely.
2: And that's what's great about, you know, this is such good fantasy storytelling because it's not reductive in a way. It's not just saying there are good but guys and there are bad guys and here they are. They're, the lines are drawn Throughout the series, our team is having to rely on people that were traditionally hunting them or thought of as threats. They have to put their trust in the hands of people that are that have wanted to kill them in the past. And they, yeah. they come out positively like they have. I don't know. I love this show. It's wonderful storytelling in that regard, because it really is. There's so much gray area explored. It's not just about heroes and villains, you know. Right. right.
0: Couldn't agree more. So don't you remind us where we are in our Chronology of yeah. Book Two.
1: Before we get into this episode, we we just got through the library episode where Sokka got all the information about the upcoming solar eclipse. Yep. Then the team almost gets buried in the library as Toph is making this heroic, just trying to keep the library af- afloat in the sand, as it would be, uh, while a certain group right. of sandbenders are stealing Appa, mm-hmm. and she can't <laughs> prevent Appa from being stolen. And then we we pick it up here and we see what happens directly after all of that madness.
0: So much happens in this episode. There's a ton of stuff that happens in the library, too. I feel like we're seeing the fruit of all of these kind of breadcrumbs, all these different storylines that were laid in both book one and book two starting to kind of come together. In the library, there are these very specific sort of shout-outs to past things that happened or past actual talisman that kind of come back. And here you have, as I was watching this episode, I did the same thing as Jason, where I was like, wait, I need to flip back a few episodes because it's been a minute. Since we saw Shin Fu and Master Yu, like. Those guys were when we met Toph several episodes right. ago, yeah. and we have not checked in with them.
1: Speaking of adversaries, I know here comes these adversaries back from a few episodes back.
0: Absolutely. So- yeah. I mean, it, we've got
2: earthbenders chasing them. We've got firebenders, you know, in the same area, like they're, you know, the rough rhinos. These few episodes, you can almost kind of put them together. The library and this kind of act as one story in a lot of ways yeah. that really is the setup for. The thrust of stuff to come.
0: Yes. And I think it actually aired as one episode. Now that you mention that, you just oh, reminded that's me. that's interesting. I think it was a really? one-hour special. I think it was like The Fury of Aang or something that they titled oh, wow. it. A lot of I fury in that. this
1: episode, for sure.
0: Yeah. That's one of my favorite things about the episode, There's like a,
1: a new side of Aang. Though.
0: Well, he gets that very grizzled face for a lot of it where he really looks older than his years and you get this sense of... The hundreds of years the Avatar has existed, and you don't see that outside of the Avatar state very often, but his look of determination and anger and resentment that all this has happened it also sort of reminds you like oh this is a very old soul and with old souls come potentially baggage and scars that Aang as a little boy is not showing as often even though he lost his entire group you know his entire community little
1: Zuko energy for that airbender little Zuko
0: energy well put not the
1: only one with angst and resentment going on here in this story you're pushing it now now you're pushing it now you're pushing it
0: no but it really
2: is like you there are those moments where like the the weight of all of these lives and all of this kind of responsibility, you can feel it on the shoulders of a child.
0: Yes. You know,
2: and this is where I feel like the show starts to really identify and build towards more adult themes and more adult things and isn't necessarily a, like, I feel like season one is a lot of every week is a new adventure. We're going here and we're going to do this. We're going here and we're going to do this. But everything is like new characters and then we move on. And I feel like here is where we start to really dig in on serialization and telling, like, eyes on what is the story. We know the comet's coming. Now we know the eclipse is coming. Now we have a strategy. Now we know where we're going. Now we have to find Appa. You know, everything now is very future-looking, very kind of setting out a map for how we're going to do this and what's going to happen next. And the cumulative knowledge is that, like, Aang might not be, as we're learning, Aang might not be ready for this. And that's yeah. like a very kind of subtle and then growing anxiety, which is Aang might not be ready. He's having trouble learning earthbending. He doesn't have a firebending teacher. These are right. bad. You know, yeah. we only have months. Like, now we have the a
1: stakes clock. of the whole thing, which is great.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Shout out to our good friend Tim Hedrick and our good friend Lauren McMullen, who wrote and directed, respectively. Tim wrote it. Lauren directed it. Very, very cool guest cast in this. We'll try to remember to shout out folks as we come across them. We have uh, Sab Shimono coming back as Master Yu. We've got Mark Grau as Jin Fu coming back. We have this addition of Fong, who we'll meet later. Uh, played by Peter Jessup. We have Malachi Throne as um, the colonel. We hear a little bit more from uh, the Sandbenders later. Um, shout out to Paul McKinney and Bill Bolander for um, Gashween and, and Shah Mo. This sets up the missing Appa episodes. And we know that it's eventually going right. to lead us to Appa's Lost Days and Tales of Ba Se, which oh. are like... I mean, if I thought I had to cry up, a little stuff. bit in every single episode,
2: Tales of Busing say the Iro uh, segment of Tales of Busing say uh, is maybe the greatest, greatest piece of Avatar storytelling.
1: Oh, and we we so talk about all the different themes that this you know quote unquote children show from genocide to parental abuse to all the stuff. Can we throw in poaching now? Poaching happening <laughs> sure. in this episode, which by yes, the way, absolutely. Episodes,
0: how many air bison have anyone seen since a hundred years ago? So there's like a like lot a of things. Prize going on. Commodity. Oh yeah. All of a sudden, there's this random one single air bison in the entire world that, like, as far as anyone knows, it is
1: super rough, buddy, to see when they were throwing all the stuff around them and they're. Mm-hmm. It's. I mean, it's horrible to see on a animal channel when they're doing it and they're showing these specials <laughs> yeah. of people just mm-hmm. like taking down these that these my, massive beasts, yeah. and then in this cartoon they're doing the same thing, ropes and just like. Oh no, this is horrible. Yep.
2: I love season 2 because we get introduced to Toph who's like my favorite character in the group. I love I yes. love Toph. And then, you know, obviously Toph is blind and uses her bending to see. But then I love the introduction that the moving sand kind of renders her kind of blind again, like or blind for the first time in a way like it's taken away the way that she sees. So, you know, to watch her have to grapple with, you know, when she's holding up the library and can't see where to strike to save Appa because she can't make sense of the landscape because she can't feel it with her feet. Uh, Really incredible stuff.
0: And she just hasn't been with him for very long. Imagine you run away from home, you're a child, you have zero experience with the outside world. Everyone's kind of feels like they're being mean to you or she's got the conflict with Katara where she's sort of feeling like she's not a part of the group yet. And then she finally feels like part of the group. And then almost immediately, Appa gets stolen out from under her and now Aang's mad at her. And I mean, this poor girl, talk about not being able to get solid footing, literally and figuratively. She can't totally. with this group. Like something is always going wrong. And then last thing, and then Dante, if you don't mind taking us into some of the beats yeah. of the first kind of segment, we find out about the Order of the White Lotus for the first time.
1: Hello, also. Hello. That's what I was gonna. I
2: couldn't remember if this was the first mention. I love
1: me a secret society, boy.
0: Yeah.
2: So good. I love. I loved this, and I love. And I loved that this is like what uh, uh, season two episode whatever, and we're getting something that is again now going to be kind of woven into the fabric of this show.
0: Yeah. And future series. It's really wonderful. So good. All right. Well, let's hit some of the major beats of uh, of this episode. Dante, you want to lead us off?
1: Let's go. We start this episode with a very cinematic opening in the windy desert where our characters distance from each other. There's a bad, bad vibes in a very desolate. Death is around you. It's unforgiving.
0: And even like having lost Appa, it's like they have no idea how they're gonna get out. They're gonna have to it's walk scary. to Bossing, say hello.
1: And Aang even says, like, Y'all know we're dead without Appa, right? And they're like, Yeah. Yeah. Aang is horrified and angry about Appa being stolen by the sand vendors. And then Aang's like, I'm leaving, I'm gonna go find Appa. Which yeah. the rest of the crew's like, What? We can't <laughs> fly.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and of course, Toff can't even see now. Yeah. And so he takes off. And anger, kind of thing. And they just, uh, then they're just stranded in the desert. We yeah. cut to a lusher, what part of the desert was that? The riparian? Um, r- 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 to
0: me, it's more of a riparian. <laughs> uh, that means water sources nearby. There's uh, more we, signs of life, more
1: scrub, more we're trees. We're now in a riparian part of the <laughs> desert with <laughs> young Prince Zuko and Uncle Iroh as they're traveling on a together tandem on a ostrich horse and they're quickly met by the group of rough rhinos and colonel monke and old friends of pyro actually it's nice to see old friends too bad you don't have any old friends that don't want to attack you Hmm, old friends
2: that don't want to attack me
1: and he explains that they're weapon specialists from the fire nation and happen to be also good singers which i thought for a second that's a good boy band let's see there's five of them that's a classic <laughs> boy band we know who's a cute one who's it's a the, the the bad boy who's the... rhinos i
2: could see yeah. them like high. oh oh
1: oh there you go rough <laughs> oh. oh, oh, oh.
2: rhinos. Oh, rhinos
0: oh 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 rough <laughs> rhinos it's a classic And also, you don't know, like in some episodes of Avatar, when you have that comic relief, like the adversaries are sort of in on it and maybe they have a moment where they break. Like there could have been a moment where we see some hint of them being singers or some hint of one of them wanting the tea that I was offering. Not in this case. The Rough Rhinos, even as we are hearing that they're a great group, there is no Hint or twinkle from any one of them—they are no. there. They are mercenary. It's not good.
2: And I love that they fight. It's a brief fight, but it's it's really good. And iroh you know, leaps into action and and does a bunch of stuff. And then when he and Zuko are making their getaway, he's just smiling and he says, "It's good to see old friends." It's good to see old friends. Well, <laughs> I love <yeah>. that <laughs> the
1: colonel's like, uh, "You didn't smell us coming. You must be getting old, Dragon of the West." And you're like, "Oh yeah, Dragon yeah. of the West." And he. He awakens the dragon of the West. And I, I love when Uncle Iroh goes into battle. It's like seeing your dad or your uncles, like the generation above you, like you hear all these stories about them, but then let's see if they still got it. And Uncle Iroh's uh-huh. like, oh yeah, I still got it. And yeah. it is a short fight, Jason, but it's actually a very entertaining fight. I love seeing Zuko jump in there and, you know, fight combat with his uncle and take on these rough rhinos and make a narrow escape. And of course, you know, like you said, Uncle Iroh's brush the of dirt off his shoulders. Was very easy.
2: Yeah, especially because when they're, prior to the arrival of the Rough Rhinos, Iroh is like kind of a little battered, and he's hurt, and he's on the back of the animal they're riding, and he's kind of not exactly 100%. Right. So you're a little nervous going into this fight, and he obviously knows the Rough Rhinos personally. But then to see, it's almost like the fight gives him energy it almost like gives him Mm, you know like a sense of uh, of something because when he comes out of it he's like more motivated he doesn't feel as frail or as old or as hurt or anything and he he really did seem genuinely pleased to have (laughs) seen and fought his friends he has his
0: respect knows no bounds he will respect no person if they are worthy of respect even if it's against
1: them and then of course Zuko, with, by the way, his hair is growing in very nicely at this good. point. It's looking his good. His hairdo <sighs> reminds his uncle, yeah. uh, you know, do you have any friends that don't want to kill you? You know, that don't want to hunt you down? <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, for a shadow report later in the episode would he gives him a good idea, I do have some friends out there.
0: Which is such a hugely important part of the storyline. I love that it only occurs to Iroh in that moment. Like, wait a minute. I yeah. am a, a member minute. of a secret society. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Why didn't I think
0: of that sooner? Wait,
2: me. I should go play pie show with someone.
1: <laughs> Every oh, now and yeah. then you need a call on your secret society.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, I love that. And I love that, like, just on back to the, the earlier scene in the desert, what I love about this show is the previous episode, they give you a bunch of, like, substantial important information, the largest being, of course, the eclipse. Right. They give you all this hope and all of this kind of, Oh, great. Here's a path to success. And then they take away Appa, you know, and then so it is like the show is constantly giving you something and taking something away, you know, and that is constantly a struggle for our group and for us as watchers. You know, Um, what is the larger story being told? But then also these smaller tragedies, like the fact that it is so many because I looked ahead again. So many episodes until Appa and like yeah. who until we know about Appa's lost days and all of that stuff. I'd forgotten how much we don't have this character, this beloved character, yeah. you know.
0: Yeah, they really went for it. And then we also have, as we're about to find out, uh, Jason. if you want to help celebrate the cactus stuff with us, you know, Sokka in this season I feel like there's a lot of, like, one episode where almost nothing happens to Sokka that, unless it's funny, and then an episode where he's incredibly vitally important, and then the very next episode, like, something yeah. else is, is going on with him. Like, we just saw him get stuck in a crack. Yeah. For the the entirety of an episode with a saber tooth, moose, lion. And then he redeemed himself in the library by finding this valuable information and like very bravely, like, you know, could have drowned in sand, but has to go back to the kind of planetarium thing, get all that information. And then we come straight into this episode where he's basically high the entire episode. (laughs)
2: Like Sokka's storyline is he's on like a vision quest (laughs) It's crazy He essentially wanders the desert
1: I like how it just switches to like super vibrant worlds He's doing his thing
2: And I love that even like they do some visual stuff Where you're seeing his point of view kind of thing But then he also just says things like Why is Toph on fire? Uh You know like he's just also giving you insights Into what he's seeing Which is very
1: funny Drink cactus juice. It'll quench you. Nothing's quenchier. It's the quenchiest. Okay, I think you've had enough. Who lit Toph on fire?
2: Uh, But you're right. You know, like the previous episode, the idea to go to the library was his vacation. So it really was he's the engine driving this kind of discovery and driving them towards finding this information and gaining the knowledge and he's pressing forward and... And then this one, he is just comic relief. He, he has is to be just,
0: babysat.
2: He's on a drug trip because he can't not like drink the cactus water or later uh, the honey from the the beehive that they're in or whatever whatever that those beasts are. You know. Yep.
1: During the pandemic, with my Twitch channel, we watched this episode and we made cactus juice and we had an avatar party on a live stream and so we had a bunch of avatar people. Oh wow. Jack DeSena was here and we uh
0: nice. it was one for the books. It was cat. Cactus
1: Juice episode Avatar Party Pandemic stuff. That's funny.
2: That's funny. I would assume that would be the, the drink of Avatar is this uh, is some sort of cactus concoction.
1: Yes. It's
0: hugely iconic. I mean, people love the Cactus Juice references. And then we get back to our little desert village that uh, that we know from the library. Right, Jason, where where yeah. uh, so
2: this is where Team Avatar met the professor who tells them about the library. And then ultimately they it's so interesting, like, correct me if I'm wrong. We don't ever meet that professor again, do we? Are we to presume that he just gets lost in, the, the, in library the, forever?
1: the library? He chooses to stay. He's like the Captain of the Titanic. He went down with that ship.
0: It's heavy.
2: I love the reality that this this library of knowledge goes underground with this incredibly curious mind inside of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's great. That's a heavy thing to consider. Like this is my life's work and I'm staring at it and this is what the place I've always been trying to find. I can't leave it now. That's heavy. Yeah. And I respect it. You know who's gonna respect that? Iroh.
2: That's the thing, is like I would love to see an Iroh gets to go to the library scenario. Yes. Like I would love I'm sure, you know, Iroh gains all of the knowledge in later series, but uh, it is a—I don't know. Iroh's just my favorite. Yeah, he's, he's probably just like, to
1: go to the library to help restore some of the information burnt by General Chao. Oh, Wouldn't that be that? great? I
0: love that Just sit there for
1: a few years, Iroh, and just recall some of the stuff, at least some of it, a, a fraction of it I yeah. feel
2: like the Order of the White Lotus must have an incredible library. They can loan some yes. books. yes.
0: Preserving yes. that knowledge, I also love the i mean it's understated, but the kind of like mismatchedness of Master Yu and our uh Enxin fu like. He has to be the voice of reason because Shin Fu just always wants to act yes. on everything, including yeah. like cool. in reference to Toph being like, she's wanted dead or alive. <laughs> and <Yeah>. so <laughs> has to be like, um, hold that thought. Uh, definitely wanted alive. Yes. So that's a kind of a big mistake. <laughs> I like
1: the different shades in our adversaries. Not one color of like, we are just bad guys. Like, no, there's different shades of bad guys here, even within the same duo. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, and they're such a good like team up that way. One of them just muscle who wants to fight all is quick tempered and similarly when they notice that Zuko and Iroh are there and they argue about whether to just grab them now in the bar yeah. and collect the bounty and or wait them out so that they can not have to compete with all the other all the other people.
0: And when we get back to Team Avatar and everybody is just totally despondent and and angry appears as they all kind of like stop for the night. Um This is such a great episode for Katara as a leader, you know? I mean, she Oh yeah. She takes charge. She takes charge in a decisive way. It's but it's not authoritarian to the point of lacking compassion. What a great Katara episode. It may not be the most dramatic stuff that happens to her or that she creates, but she is absolutely the glue. And she even says it at one point, right? I mean, when Aang's like, What have you what are you doing? You know, yeah, as yeah. he's She's in trying his to keep despair. Exactly. And she does it. And there are a lot of times where the whole thing could just fall to pieces if not for that one central, like, brick that is Katara in this episode.
1: We won't survive without Appa. We all know it. Come on, Ang. We can do this if we work together. Right, Toth? As far as I can feel, we're trapped in a giant bowl of sand pudding. I got nothing. The woman is keeping her perspective and her head on her shoulders. The men, All the men in the gang are off doing other things through emotion or uh, cactus juice. They're either
2: overwhelmed by anger or wasted.
1: Got the woman trying to keep it together.
0: Toph's trying to help, but she describes being in the sand as being in a bowl of sand pudding. So there's just not that much she can offer to the situation, much as she might want to. But they do realize, because of Katara, like, we can use these maps. We can use the star maps. We can be guided by this and we just have to keep moving forward. We don't have a choice. this We're the only ones that have this knowledge of this, the eclipse. We've got to do this and we're going to use these maps and just trying to, you know, herd the cats that she's traveling with, essentially. And then back and in, in the pub, we see this, like, super important moment that, again, gets passed off as like, oh, I don't know, maybe I should be playing a game of pie show. And we see this whole thing play out where... There's this white lotus tile that gets played right at the beginning and Iro is is playing pai show with who we f- we find out is fung later and The whole exchange of Master Yu being like, we should wait. Otherwise, if we draw attention to the fact that these guys are wanted, because we saw those wanted posters earlier in the episode, which, by the way, again, is always great. I'm sure everyone knows this, but you can see Shay and Zhang Zhang, the deserter, and his like right hand man is also on the wanted posters. It gave me reassurance. I was like, you know what? I think we know all the people that the Fire Nation is trying to track down. Like, there's nothing going on elsewhere that the Fire Nation is looking for anyone we haven't met yet. There aren't
2: other people that we don't know.
0: Exactly. (laughs) We're at the center of the action.
2: You should make t-shirts for the podcast that are Avatar-style wanted posters with you guys on them.
0: I'll take it. I'll take it. Shout out to anybody who likes to do that fan art. We've got some really, really rad fan art that's come through for a break. Oh, that's cool.
1: And can I say the pie show game? I really want to learn how to play this pie show.
0: And it's a real game that got invented. Oh, is that right? Fans made it. They made a a real pie show based on the rules that they, as they they were able to interpret them through all of the Avatar verse, all the hints and stuff. Now there is a pie show game that you can. Now there's an
2: actual playable version of the game. Yeah,
0: isn't that great? Because what
2: I noticed this time around was that as they're playing, they're they're furiously placing these pieces down on this large board between them. And they're going at a, such a pace and Zuko's kind of watching like, what's going on? This is, he doesn't know how to play. This. He's kind of rolling his eyes. And then what they've, the design that seems to be created is itself. I believe the same as the white Lotus. Yes. Yes. Um, so they have, by Made playing the white Lotus as the first move, they then create the Lotus as a shape. That's
0: so cool. Um,
2: Which I loved as well. I I just, There's stuff in here that is, I don't think I noticed that before, and I just love those little things. It's, really, the show is so strong.
1: Welcome, brother. The White Lotus opens wide to those who know her secrets. What are you old gas bags talking about? I always try to tell you that Pi Show
2: is more than just a game.
0: Now we have, like, ultimately, you know, Shin Fu decides he can't wait any longer. We see that Iroh and Zuko get out um, as everyone is fighting everyone uh, to try to capture this important bounty. And then we have this beautiful scene with the cloud, the Appa-shaped cloud that's flying over the moon, which, you yes. know, then oh, of yeah. course Saga has to make a Princess Yue reference. Oh, yeah. Yes.
1: Appa! Appa? But why would Princess Yue need him? She's the moon she flies by herself it's just a cloud
0: this is a sweet sad moment for so many reasons and Anne goes up and tries to gather the you know condensation from the clouds and there's just a tiny bit of water in there when he comes back down and i mean it is like low sad stuff
2: yeah the story is everybody is dealing and grappling with loss and grief at like a profound level yeah and in this episode specifically it's it's of course it's appa um and the moment for me that's like so like incredibly um lands is Aang like despondent flying his glider blowing on the whistle you know yeah. blowing on the whistle that nobody can hear but appa and that is devastating
0: yeah and he makes that giant mushroom Cloud, which by the way is not an easy thing for any of us to look at. Like, I, if I see a mushroom cloud, I got a bad feeling. (laughs) So, even if it's just representing Aang's anger and angst and heartbreak over losing Appa, which of course then they see the mushroom cloud. And, you know,
1: what I I saw this time too, which I didn't realize other times I saw this episode, is he hits that mushroom cloud and they're far away, so far away, like, wow. And he's, you know, he's dancing the mushroom cloud. And then they get hit with the wind afterwards, which is like how powerful. Aang yeah. is you're like, oh, it took like a, a few moments for that blast to hit them from the mushroom cloud, which is yeah.
0: that's physics, baby.
1: Get you into physics, get you into the world, like, oh wow, Aang is really mad and really strong.
0: That's right. Oh yeah. So talk about your secret society, my buddy. Uh you're you're psyched about the Order of the White Lotus. Yes.
1: So we go into the, the flower shop in which they get to the Order of the White Lotus. Of course, they have that. They had a great exchange. We got to have a call and response.
2: Who knocks at the garden gate? One who has eaten the fruit and tasted its mysteries.
1: So great. I mean, uh, so good. we need a cool call and response situation.
2: That would be such a cool way for your fans to engage with you. Right. By, yep. by creating like a binary call and response, you can end fan interactions with it. You know, yes. like. Okay, thanks. In. We did the thing. Yeah. G- great. Do the fans of the podcast have a name? Oh, we
1: don't have a
0: name. We haven't named our listeners yet, Jason.
1: Interesting. We haven't. Can you guys named send in some name listeners. ideas that we can vote on here? Please, It'd be great.
0: everybody, let us know what would you like to be called. We know you're out there. Yeah, we know thank you're you, listening, Jason. Thank
1: you. We haven't yeah. have done Jason, that. Jason. You're so. And right. I mean, like, while we're
2: at it, I mean, I think like that we should also have people submit what could be. These call and response kind of the people that are in the know of the of the podcast can say to you guys or you guys to them at cons or wherever you in the wild or whatever so that they can let you know that they're part of the fan base without kind of
1: monopolizing your time.
0: I love it. I love it.
1: I love it. We need it. And I can't wait to have it.
0: Uh, there's so many things inside the Avatar verse that we could pull from. So let's. How do we make it specific to like various things that have come up on the podcast?
1: I mean, it could be like, "Why
2: is Toph on fire?" And then you say, "That's enough cactus juice, Sokka." Uh-huh. You know, be, like yeah, it could a be a as combination. it could be as simple a as that.
1: It could be as simple as that, and that makes so much sense in the world for people <laughs> yeah. that understand. Yeah,
2: I like this. I like it.
1: Avatar Braving the Elements
0: is sponsored by Factor.
1: I think we have some weather-bending going on. It's finally getting warm out.
0: Yeah, and I gotta say, whoever's controlling the temperature, I'm into it, you know? Sun's shining, I'm ready to start feeling good for summer.
1: Well, you're in luck. Factors No Prep No Mess meals can help you fuel up for those sunnier days ahead.
0: Oh, trust me, my friend, they are already part of my health kick. No kidding? Big time. Right now, I'm all about their veggie vegan meals, but their wellness shots also really get me fired up.
1: In a good way?
0: You of all people know that's a yes.
1: Fair enough, but for anyone else out there looking to crush their wellness goals this May, Factor has loads of dietitian approved meals with ingredients that you can trust, Ready in as little as two minutes.
0: Head to factormeals.com slash elements50 and use code elements50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code
1: elements50 at factormeals.com slash elements50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next four boxes while your subscription is active.
0: And then we also know by the way that, that we sort of passed this part, but um Toff discovers this glider in the sand, right? So she kicks yes. against it, she can immediately actually help and and be able to say, like, no, 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 this is a tip of something large buried in the sand, which is kind of a little bit of a callback to the library, right? Where they find this thing that could be tremendously useful and it even has a compass on it, right? Dante? Sand
1: glider. So they have this sand glider and they're going, she's thinking it's the compass is going north, but she said, it's actually not going north. It's going to something else. And it looks like the magnet in the compass is going towards a great big rock Yeah, in the middle of the desert. And so they, they head to the rock and they get there and top is a static that she <laughs> finally has some... A solid ground, as she yeah. puts it, to be upon. She even makes a rock angel. Yeah, Great touch. at she makes make some snow angels in it because she's a <laughs> earthbender. And Sokka finally sobers up, or we at least we think he sobers up as much as he can.
0: Yeah, and he
1: tries to taste this uh, honey-like substance on the wall, and he says it tastes like rotten penguin meat which is disgusting sounding.
0: Yeah, it's like weirdly evocative for me never having uh, tasted penguin. It's still, uh, I felt like, oh yeah, that's awful. I would be curious.
2: There's that that moment where Katara notices the cloud and says to Aang, fly up there and, and fill up the water pouch from the cloud. So my presumption then is Katara cannot Bend the water, the moisture out of the cloud to her? It's too I think far. It must be too far. Is it away. just too far? That's okay. That's a great
0: question, though, in terms of like internal rules of a universe.
2: Why does she need ang to go and get it? Why can't she just it's
0: a great pull question. it out right. like
2: rain to her or yeah. something? You know? Right. It's a great question. My other question was couldn't they cut a bunch of cacti open, not for drinking water, but for her to have bending, quote unquote, water?
0: Interesting idea.
2: Ooh, you know what I mean? Like, could she bend what's inside the cactus, or yeah. you know, so forth? You know, yeah. um, I would be curious about that only because it would be potentially useful in yeah. that sense.
1: At least as a weapon, if not a drink. Exactly, yeah. because
2: she's she doesn't have a weapon later because she they've had to drink her bending water.
1: That's a really good point. That's a really good point.
2: There's a way in which Toph is constantly changing the rules of her bending, you know, like she becomes a metal bender because she tries to go deeper. You know what I mean? And realizes, oh, inside of metal are tiny pieces of earth. Yes. You know, And, and I can connect to those pieces inside the metal. Yes. You know, something that previously nobody even attempted. Yeah. And then creates metal bending, which is its own, becomes its own massively powerful thing.
1: Right. Yeah. So back with the gang at this big rock, surprise, it's a hive. It's a hive, you guys. That was the weird honey dew drip from these (laughs) crazy, weird-looking wasp vultures or whatever the heck. They're
0: horrible. They're like a bee. They're buzzard wasps. Buzzard wasps. That's what they're
2: literally called? Okay, yeah.
0: Yeah, but they couldn't even let them be bees. They had to make them wasps. The honey had to taste terrible, and they had to be wasps, which are, like, well-known for just being mean for no reason. Also, I love that when they pull out, you're like, how could you not have realized this is a hive? Exactly. (laughs) Nothing has ever looked more like a hive than this. Why do they have
1: buzzard vulture heads? Those animals don't look cool.
0: Listen, you take the good with the bad with those hybrids, Dante. You got to be ready when those buzzard wasps creep up on you because they're there, too.
1: No. (laughs) don't like those dark crystal head Uh. animals. No. Oh, yeah.
2: There was definitely a part of me that was like, I'd like for every, I Uh. wanted Team Avatar to end up having to ride them out of the desert. Yeah,
0: and it could have happened. I was like, that could have happened. Wrangling them like uh, Santa's reindeer style. No. Uh, Exactly. Absolutely. Well, these
1: buzzard wasps, they take it all, all over the place. They get into the great fight. They're all, everyone's helping each other out, which is great. And then one of them takes Momo And Aang dashes off to follow that buzzard wasp. And then the sandbenders arrive. There's this
2: moment where, you know, again, Aang in this episode is just operating at like in a panic, you know, he's, he's flying off. He's exhausted. You know, when we see him, he is just, he's emotionally spent. He's physically spent. Everybody is physically spent because they're in the desert, but he especially feels like he has lost everything. And so when, When he loses Momo and chases after that buzzard vulture guy, you know, there's this moment where he like swings his glider and he, I think he kills that buzzer I think he kills vulture, it too like, I mean there's that
1: moment it's full
0: on Rambo is, like. and he didn't have to like, he's already got Momo yes, back but exactly. you're not gonna get but away with this it's it. a
1: buzzer wasp and it has the head of a vulture and it has to go down
0: uh, <laughs> you're on board I'm
1: on board some things <laughs> have to be done
2: you're just mad they didn't blow up the hive
1: <laughs> the hive what the heck <laughs> yeah it's really
0: amazing the fact that he has no room in his heart for any of his friends except for I guess Momo but even Momo he's sort of overlooking and taking for granted in the moment that's tough to watch having him accuse everyone of being selfish and not caring and not special and he takes his revenge out on that buzzard wasp Um, it
2: reminds me in these moments and I'm glad that the show does it it reminds me how young Aang is yeah you know it reminds me that oh these incredibly heavy responsibilities are on top of the shoulders of a very young child And that's where this is a great episode for Aang feeling and being the age that he is. He is a kid, you know, Um, and he's acting out of instinct and fear and sadness and grief and loss. And he's just acting emotionally, right, Um, rather than with. You know, the logic and understanding of we're in a bad position. We all need to band together to get out of this, you know.
0: But that's what's so interesting about having him have this like grizzled, angry. I swear there's a moment where I feel like he has a five o'clock shadow. I know that's not really going on, but there's like this moment where you're like, dude, what happened to you? You're a thug. Like he's got a little bit of thug face in this episode, which makes him look older. Yet all of his behavior is reminding you. Oh, no, you're so wounded and you're just being a child who's acting out. But it's you're reminded how dangerous that is. Every time Aang has an emotional reaction that sends him into the Avatar state, you're reminded like it is very dangerous to indulge those feelings in the moment. If it could bring about this tremendous centuries old power that you have waiting inside of you. you That
2: you don't necessarily have control over,
1: frankly.
0: Yes. Yes. 100%. Which we talked
1: about a recent episode where I was saying, has there ever been an avatar that went to the dark side? You can see an avatar uh, can yeah. get hit into a place where they do go to the dark side. Where You're, you're yeah. seeing that right here Great. with Aang. There's, Point. you know, it opens up a possibility of someone going full dark avatar. Yeah.
2: yeah. When you are operating out of anger, when you are operating out of like the, the incorrect emotional, you know, status, then you are so dangerous, you know, such that like at the end of, you know, the episode here when, when Aang is in the Avatar state, not only do the sandbenders need to run away because his anger is directed at them, but his whole team, you know, needs to run away because they're in the the same area. You know, yeah. they're not going to be spared. They
0: know this is not going to be good, you know? Yeah. I love the juxtaposition, too, of this happening and Team Avatar sort of having to retreat from their own like leader slash hero in the moment and then juxtaposing that with this whole experience that Zuko and Iroh continue to have in this season where when we leave in the, them in this episode we find out they're going to Ba Sing Se which is where refugees from the Fire Nation go yeah, and here right. we have Iroh going back to the city he couldn't penetrate as a general but is being given Reprieve and, like, you know, potentially being offered a place to be that's safe from his own people. And I love the arc Irony. of them finding out what it's like to be on the other side of the Fire
1: Nation. It's so good.
2: We're heading to Ba Sing Se.
1: Ba Sing Se? Why would we go to the Earth Kingdom capital? The city is filled with refugees. No one will notice two more. We can hide in plain sight there.
2: And it's the safest place in the world from the Fire Nation. Even I couldn't break through to the city. It's an incredible sentiment. And it's and it's also setting up one of my favorite arcs for Iroh and Zuko, which is Iroh and Zuko o- open a tea shop. Yes,
1: yes. The tea shop. Like Uncle
2: Iroh's small business owner is like one of my favorite side stories of the series. I love that this series, I mean, these are short episodes. There's a certain number of things, but they do these wonderful digressions where they will let yes. Iro have success as a tea merchant. Yeah, and you could also do what are your favorite like aside stories yes. or your favorite kind of tertiary kind of little roundabouts that they allow characters to go on, and that that's very fun too. And that's coming up is one of my favorites actually.
0: I love that. We're gonna have to incorporate that question in. I love I that. Absolutely I- love that. And
1: of course, they're traveling to Bossing Say. In flower pots, which I love that yes. just the image <laughs> of those two, a little bit of comedy was heads pop sound. out. And then, you know, we've got this
2: kind of great moment where the sandbenders arrive to confront Team Avatar for having accused them of stealing the sand glider that they found right. in the desert, just buried Um And then come to find out that one of these sandbenders is the person who stole Appa, you know, and sold, sold Appa to merchants. And that's how Team Avatar finds out Appa is probably by now also in Ba Sing Se.
1: Yeah. I recognize the son's voice. He's the one that stole Appa. Are you sure? I never forget a voice also I love just a side note on the sandbenders that it, it, it kind of broadening the world of of the earth Benders and earth kingdom to a degree and then even within the sandbenders they're saying oh this looks like a a, a land glider from this other tribe there's just like multiple tribes of sandbenders yes. not just like this one group of us and you're so and right. again it's like the fathers like being a genuine cool sandbender, like look we have to be kind to these people. We gotta take him and find out, you know, he's doing like that cool thing. And then you're like, Oh, but his son stole it. It's like what? Hold, hold on a second. Yeah. Again, you're seeing diversity and non-monolithic themes even within one just segment of Benders, which is which is a sandbenders a brand new kind of earth bending. I wanna see a whole a whole side story about these sand benders and where they yes. came from, what they do, how their bending works. You know their kind of folklore and their history. Well,
2: it's something we then see inside of the water bending, the different water bending tribes. The swamp. benders, uh, you know, and how they interpret things differently. How northern and southern water tribes have different rules about bending. And I would love to understand, you know, like sand bending, and I guess uh, eventually. Metal bending all offshoots of earth bending, yes. all components of earth bending, yeah. you know.
0: Yeah. I love that. I'm so glad you you tossed that out there too, Dante, because it is such a toss away. It's this one brief reference to this whole other tribe of sandbenders that those are the kind of moments where it's not fundamental to the plot moving forward, but it helps you feel like this world is so rich and that there's yes. so much going on that we're not seeing, other than people running away from the Fire Nation, because we know all of those.
2: Yeah, it could easily have been like you stole our sand glider. Yeah. And it's right. just like we yeah. are the we are the sandbenders. All bad. the gliders are ours, but it's not. They're back. It's a sandbender that drives. references people yeah. we haven't met yet, and yeah. that's awesome. You I know? They're always giving you more world to let you know there's always more world to go to, you know? Yes.
0: Yes. And then we have just to return to me crowing about what a great episode it is for Katara, you know, once again. As usual, she's the one who can reach him through his rage of the Avatar state and brings him back down to being the Aang, Jason, that you've known him to be the entire episode, which is really, all of this stuff is hiding. It's avoiding feeling like you can't control it. Just feeling. Feeling like it's out of your control and there's nothing you can do and your best friend is gone and it's just incredibly sad and, you know, we see him crying and he allows himself to feel that grief fully with the support of his friend. You know, it's beautiful, but it's really sad. Totally makes me cry. Oh, I cried. get some crying out in there as you, I tear up also when he's just missing Appa.
2: Oh man. Yeah. (sighs) That moment when he's in the avatar state and everybody flees and you don't know, but then you, there's a frame that looks down and Katara is just looking up at him. Yeah. She's not moving, yeah. even though he's getting the, in the avastar, avatar state, he's getting more and more. It's seeming more and more dangerous for her to be there. And she just reaches out and grabs his hand. And it is the look on her face. It's such incredible acting that they've put inside of yeah. this animation. Yes. And I love talking to animators and comics artists about acting, about showing acting on characters' faces. Right. And it's such good acting on the part of so how they've, they're they drawing Katar because she is so heartbroken and so there and so the, the way she's looking up at him and that he just kind of comes out of the Avatar state and crumples into her yeah. arms is just such an incredible moment so and great. such a beautiful Kind of illustration of their relationship. I love um, how you say that
1: because I often, you know, there's so many great fans out there that, that give us as voice actors so much props for being the voice actress, and, and I appreciate that so much. And I always like to say, you know, we share this performance with the animators. Yeah, like we do oh, voice yeah. it, and I love bringing what we bring to it. But when you watch it, we, we so much share this performance of these characters with the animators, and, and it makes the animation world acting and performance a, a kind of a special. Different kind of thing than when we do on-screen acting, which is also yeah. great, and I love doing that. But like you said, the animators bring so much to these performances. And also with the gushing over Katara, I want to you know another quick shout out to Toph, which I love, where she the superhero thing where you know she's blind and she goes, I know voices, I remember voices, and she can yeah. hear Gushan's voice. And she's like, he's the one that stole it. Because it goes back to, you know, these blind super, the daredevil, where like the keen sense of hearing, where they know, I know that that's one of my superpowers, not just, you know, I can hear and I know sonically that's the person without a doubt and you're like and that she
0: can offer that up when she feels so terrible about not being able to save up at least she can offer up like wait a minute this is who took a okay like i can finally do something i can finally help in some way to right this wrong that i feel you know responsible for as much as she can knowing in her head she knows that she couldn't have done anything but in our hearts when we let down a friend or when we lose someone important you know of course the first thing we want to do is blame ourselves in some way and then she doesn't have any assistance from egg who's also like taking it out on her so they kind of have to to heal a little bit too i just wanted to ask um it feels important uh, in a fun way to do my one question quiz that we've been doing a lot this season i just think it's a fun thing to be able to bring up because jason's here which is i just want to ask the rough rhinos Did play a fateful role in another character's past, Hmm. someone iconic from book one, Hmm. who we may see again who may have been brought up already in this conversation. Is it Jet? Is it Jet? Yeah. It's Jet, right? It must <laughs> yeah. be totally. Jet. Yeah, yeah the but Rough Rhinos killed his, like, they're responsible for him losing his community or his, or his oh, family. Oh, the
1: Rough Rhinos
2: came in. Do okay. we see that, or is it just a story that's told?
0: I think it's just a story. I think he, we okay. just know that we find out that it's specifically the Rough Rhinos group within the Fire Nation that's right. responsible for oh. him losing his parents. Um, so I Got loved it. when you happened to bring up Jet. I was like, uh-oh, there's a weird, like, cool Jet tie-in with the Rough Rhinos here, they're
1: out there. So the mm-hmm. rough rhinos are back. I would watch yeah. a rough rhinos show, absolutely. The rough rhinos show, yes, they're doing a boy band, they're going, they're pillaging villages, <laughs> they're know. on tour
2: doing concerts, <laughs> but also doing Fire Nation
1: business. Yeah. Bounty the hunting. rough rhinos are back. Perfect front.
0: There's a ton of information about the Rough Rhinos on Avatar Wiki, by the way, um, where you can find out everyone's name and what their specialty is. Because, you know, obviously they all look different, as we discussed. Uh, So there's different weapons. Yeah, you can dig way into that if you want to.
2: And it's like, that's again, like such a good, you see them very briefly inside of this episode. They have a brief fight. They're established, you know, with a pose, a weapon and basically Uncle Iroh's kind of introduction. Right. And then they go away and you're like, that is incredible. incredible world building because these are characters that could have carried an entire episode. And of course, right now we're
1: seeing them as adversaries and they are very adversarial. But there is a world within the Fire Nation that they were probably heroes, Mm -hmm. war heroes. Mm
0: -hmm. Yes.
1: Oh, yeah. Yes,
2: indeed. Inside the Fire Nation, it seems like they are peers and compatriots of Iroh, of general Iroh.
1: They're homies back in the day. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Absolutely. All right. I'm going to bring up one of your homies real quick for Animal Crossing, Dante. Don't worry. going to give a quick final shout out to the buzzard wasps. No. Uh, that's our only <laughs> new animal, I think, in this one. And, and, and no you,
1: thank you to the buzzard wasps. And Leave no them thank in the you. desert
0: for you you're going to turn those down in the future um let's talk about most valuable and least valuable bending and then we will uh let you go my friend jason uh most valuable bending i'm excited to get to most valuable non-bending but most valuable bending in this episode there's a lot of like pops of important bending. Do you know what I mean? It's not one of those episodes where there's like constant bending going on. So I'm really curious to hear what you guys think about uh, what might qualify as a most valuable bending moment. Hmm.
2: I think the two most valuable bending moments, the one singularly is probably Katara being able to hydrate the group Mm. with her bending water because that keeps them alive in the desert. The only other... A uh, significant moment would be airbending and being able to glide them out yes, of I was thinking mm-hmm, uh, that too. The, using the glider, using airbending to power the sail.
0: But if Toph didn't have earthbending, how? C- yeah. I was
2: going to say earthbending, Toph it's discovering the glider. So, yeah, you're right. It's not a bending heavy episode, but to get out of the desert, all of their bending is necessary.
1: Yeah, so, but yeah. I, I'm going to that even with a non bending. I think it's finding that glider because it was really dismal yes. i mean ang would probably survive in all honesty like my friends died in the desert i flew out and they're <laughs> dead they're just dead in the desert they're yeah. somewhere so uh-huh. until they found that glider, because it was nowhere there's not, and even now there's yeah. nothing there's nothing out there they need that glider yeah
0: yeah yeah so I don't know who gets that. It's like a shared comp. It's like a team. That's a team effort because team each effort. person is totally team vital effort. to the use that the finding recovery of and use of that glider. So I think that's like a team avatar wins for most valuable bending moment, which I don't think we've ever done before. So we got that going. Um, and then for most valuable non-bending, again, a lot going on with Iro, the White Lotus stuff. That is obviously going to be crucial. I am um, th- I think I've already played my cards. I'm throwing my, my hat in the ring on behalf of Katara for keeping the whole group together and for bringing that's cool. Aang back from the Avatar state I agree. as like an entire yeah, I package think of most valuable
1: yeah. non bending for Zuko and Iroh is the finding of the Order of the White Lotus. Yeah. yeah. Without Very them, key. we have no more story for these guys.
0: Yeah,
2: and for Team Avatar, it is the connection between Katara and Ang and her being able to take him back from the edge.
0: Yeah, and that's one of the things that's so great about Team Avatar is everybody kind of gets their chance to be up in their own their own heads about something and everybody gets a chance to kind of carry the day and carry the team through.
2: It's it's great because it's a story that over the course of its, you know, however many episodes over all these seasons is a group story within which are individual tales, you know, yes. and that is You are episode by episode. Sometimes you are digging in on an individual story. And then also you're always following a group. And those dynamics are always in flux. You know, there are episodes where Sokka is upset that he doesn't have more of a role. And so he comes to the fore. There are episodes where, you know, there's an emotional storyline for an individual that gets in the way of the group or the group storyline gets in the way of the individual. And, And all of these kind of the ways that they make all of these characters both helping the group and helping keep the momentum going forward while also having them trip and stumble and fall over their own personal journeys and their own personal growth is really what makes the show deeply compelling and not just an adventure show where this week we punch this guy and this week we, we triumph over this. It's really, it's not just about punching the bad guys. It's also about in this case, grief. It's about like you can't punch grief. You can't punch loss. You know, Appa's gone. We can't fight anyone. We just have to keep moving forward, you know?
0: I love that. Well, listen, I feel like this episode of the podcast mirrored uh, what happens in the episode of the show and many episodes of the show, which is a lot happened in this episode. A lot happened for our listeners. We got to find out what we're calling our listeners. We got to get our call and response, secret handshake or secret verbal handshake going. There's a lot to do, so a What happened in this episode of braving the elements jason i feel like you're responsible for 99 percent of that coming thank the you so, so much thank jason. you so thrilled. much i'm thrilled for thank you for back. To come back.
2: jason yes. i'm, all I'm of thrilled these to points. come back in season three and wow. learn the answers to all the questions that we've posed today yes yes,
0: yes. it's a date love we it will, we will
2: induct
1: <laughs> you into a secret society when you return that's right. I can't wait.
0: That's right. Is there anything that people should know or check out that's new that you feel uh, you want people to know about? As always,
2: I will plug the How Did This Get Made podcast that I do with Paul Shear and June Diane Raphael, where every every episode we're talking about a bad movie that we've watched. Uh, you know, if that sounds up your alley, there's 11 years of it <laughs> on your get favorite made? podcast never app. are in
0: danger of running out of bad movies, which says something in and of S- itself.
2: Somehow never... If you have a favorite bad movie, whether it's Cats or The Room or whatever, I guarantee we've talked about it for hours. <laughs> Love it! Oh, and of course, just because this is a Nickelodeon show, I will shout out Star Trek: Prodigy, yes, which Star Trek uh, Prodigy, uh, I am everyone. one of the voices of, which I think is absolutely fantastic. If if you like. Uh, avatar and if you like the uh, young adventure kind of fantasy storytelling this is that you know inside the star trek universe so yes. uh, you know i can't recommend it highly enough a
0: thousand percent well, thank you so much jason all right everybody thank you so much for listening to avatar braving the elements and hey make sure to subscribe follow leave us a review all of that really helps the podcast so much and we love you guys Next week, we will be chatting with friend of the show, Critical Role's Sam Regal. You can follow me on social media at the JV Club on Instagram and at Janet Varney on Twitter.
1: And I'm at Dante Bosco on both of those.
0: We'll see you next Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.